Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. If you've been here regularly, you uh, you would know you know that we've been going through John through the Gospel of John in our Sunday morning sermons. Uh, but today and uh, Palm Sunday and next week Easter, we'll be taking a break from that to come back to traditional texts for the for these holidays in the church calendar. So a traditional scripture text for Palm Sunday is Psalm 118. And you may hear that and think, why, why Psalm 118? What does this actually have to do with Palm Sunday? If you know, if you know the story of Palm Sunday, it's recorded in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John in each of them. We also call it the triumphal entry and it talks about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, just like the call to worship we had from Zechariah talks about that as the prophecy, being hailed as the king. And the people waved palm branches and shouted Hosanna, and it was this big, this big spectacle. Now, when I read Psalm 118, you may, you may hear it and say, well, what, what does this have to do with Palm Sunday? And it's, it's, a, it's a translation issue. Uh, in Psalm 118, I will read, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Now, in English, that says, save us, we pray, O Lord. It was written in Hebrew, and when that Hebrew turns into Greek of the New Testament and of the time, it becomes Hosanna. So when you hear that in the psalm, save us, O Lord, that's where we get Hosanna from. And so you will hear, if you're, if you're familiar with the Palm Sunday story, you will also hear from this psalm, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They quote that as well on Palm Sunday when Jesus comes in. So this is the psalm for Palm Sunday because this is the psalm that they were singing. This is the psalm that they were singing to Jesus. And so it is good for us to read it and reflect on it, to feel the same kinds of feelings that the people in Jesus' time were feeling when he came in to Jerusalem, and then to reflect on what does that mean for us? Of course, this psalm was written down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus entered in Jerusalem, which is now thousands of years ago from where we are today. But we believe that just as much as this was God's word when it was first written down for the people of Israel, as it was God's words on the lips of the Jews as Jesus came into Jerusalem, it is God's word for us today. So it is right for us to read and consider what is God's word for us today in Psalm 118. Also, as I read this, and then as I continue to reflect on it, don't forget the palm branches, the palm branches. You got to keep the palm branches going because you can see we're going to need some palm branches here. All right. So when I read his steadfast love endures forever, you say, Hosanna, Jesus save us. All right, here we go. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. Oops. Turn the page. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm that you put on the lips of your people to welcome your son as king into Jerusalem. And we pray now that as we reflect on your word for us today, that you would sink this psalm deep into our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, that these would not merely be words of information, but true transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we think about this psalm, I want you to think for a minute about promises. All right, whether you're a, whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, you can think about promises. And we think about promises, this, this, can, be, this can be a challenging subject, especially for, for we've got some parent-child tension going on at the moment, I think. Um, but we know that there's like, there's a whole level of different promises and saying that we're going to do something. And we can think of this, whether, really, whether it's child or adult, you know, for children, you think of your parents say, oh yeah, we're going to do this and that. And you're like, are we really though? Or are you just talking? And then sometimes your parents will say, no, I, I promise we are going to do that. And you're like, all right. I think we are. Now, even as adults, we get, we get the same kinds of things. Somebody's like, oh, I'd, you know, I'd love to get together. <laughs> sure you would. Uh, it'll happen sometime. I, I believe you, but it's probably not going to happen. Or they say, no, no, we're going to make a plan. And I'm going to put it on the calendar. That's, that's a promise. I'm going to be there. So we know that we need, we want to make stronger promises sometimes. And sometimes in life, we make even stronger promises. When things become even more important, we say, well, Let's, let's put this in writing. Let's make a contract. Let's, make, let's talk about what will happen if we don't do this. Or we make a vow, like a marriage vow, to say we are going to do this. We are going to be committed to one another. We make stronger and stronger promises depending on the situation. And that's a good thing. This is good. It's good to be people of our word. But the problem is 
Our big problem is we don't always keep our promises, even when we make very strong promises. We kind of get used to it on the casual things, and we're kind of okay with that. Like, oh, you, okay, you said we were going to go to the park, and we're not going to go to the park. It happens. We'll probably go another day. But when somebody says, I promise, or they you know, write it down and say, I'm going to be there, and then they, they let us down. That hurts. Even more so, even when we make signed contracts and binding vows, sometimes we break those. Sometimes it's because we, we just can't do it. Sometimes it's, it's our own failure and selfishness that we say, I just don't care anymore. Yeah, I said I was going to do that, but I'm not going to do it. Sometimes we've overpromised ourselves and we're actually promised in multiple directions. And so we, we all know if we're honest that we have been hurt by other people who have broken their promises. And we have also hurt other people by breaking our own promises. We see ourselves on both sides. So what does this Psalm have for us this morning? This Psalm fundamentally, Psalm 118, and Palm Sunday itself is fundamentally about the keeping of promises. That's the message of Palm Sunday. The message of Jesus coming into Jerusalem is that God has kept his promises. That's the fundamental thing. Our God keeps his promises. That is our takeaway from Palm Sunday this morning, is that God keeps his promises, and he showed us that when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Now, how do I know that from the psalm? It's actually this word that we've been repeating. For his steadfast love endures forever. So you got you to pay attention, right? But, that would, but it's only the whole phrase. If I just say steadfast, it doesn't count. This word steadfast, this word steadfast is an important word. So I have for you, I not only have palm branches, I have another Hebrew lesson. I already gave you Hosanna. So I got one Hebrew H-ish word, Hosanna, God save us. Here's another one that you can remember. The word is hesed. Hesed. Can you say hesed? Hesed. The word that is translated in our English Bibles, in, our, in this version at least, his steadfast love, is the word hesed. And this word hesed is a special kind of love in the Old Testament. This word hesed is used for God's covenant love for his people. It's the love that he said, I will love you and I will never let you go. It's the love that he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. As he made covenants with his people, binding relational agreements that God bound himself to his people. He made a series of them throughout the Old Testament. He first made a covenant with Adam and then with Noah and then with Abraham and then with Moses and then with King David. And each time, even through those people, he was making a promise, binding himself, even though through those individuals, he was binding himself to his people with this hesed, steadfast love. So that's what the psalm is celebrating. All throughout, when you see in the psalm, you know, out of my distress, verse 5, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me. He kept his promises. Uh, verse 10, all nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. God was with me. Verse 13, but the Lord helped me. Verse 15, glad songs of salvation. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. This is a celebratory psalm, celebrating God's promise keeping. But even in this psalm, even in God's covenants, his promises, there's still a problem. Because all of that, for the people of Israel at the time of Jesus, 
they've got this psalm, but it kind of it kind of rings hollow. Because at the time of Jesus, they were an occupied nation. They had been exiled from their nation, exiled from where David had been their king, and they had been powerful and mighty, and they had been exiled to Assyria and to Babylon. And now they had come back, but they were controlled by the Romans. The whole story of the Gospels is full of the fact that they're a, a people under occupation by the occupying Roman armies. They've got these psalms about the Lord's steadfast love, but it's natural to wonder, like, really? Really? Is, is that going to happen? Because what's, what's the problem here? Is the problem with God? No, the problem's never with God. The problem in those covenants that God made, the problem was the people. This psalm celebrates the good things. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. We had victory. But we know even King David, and especially all the kings that followed him, were not the best people. And they did not always follow God. And they did a lot of things wrong. They were exiled because they broke the covenant. They fell down on their end of the bargain. So what do we see on Palm Sunday? When Jesus comes into Jerusalem, it is God saying, I have still kept my promises because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Amen. There you go. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Hosanna, Jesus saves us. That's what the people were shouting. They're saying, hey, this psalm, it's coming true. It's all true. God is keeping his promises because in Jesus, he kept those promises. He fulfilled those covenants. And so when Jesus comes in, there's this hope in Palm Sunday. And because we see the story the way it ends with the death and resurrection of Jesus, we get the same hope on Palm Sunday. And we can say God has kept his promises. He loves us with his hesed love that he will not let us go. So as we dig into this a little bit more briefly, I want to just see three places in this psalm where we see God keeping his promises. And then with that, the call that we recognize Jesus as our king. We recognize him as our king. That's what we have to do. So first, we see it in hardship, second, in victory, and third, in worship. And keep paying attention. You'll need the palm still. First, we see it in hardship, because while this psalm is celebrating, while this psalm is joyous, we have to realize that both in the psalm and in Palm Sunday, it is coming in the midst of hardship. The Jews, as I already said, were an occupied nation. They needed a king. Even here in this psalm, verse 5, out of my distress. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me. Verse 11, they surrounded me on every side. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. There's hardship going on. The singer of the psalm, we don't know exactly when it was written, but it was used for the people of God to sing and remember that they are, they are pressed down. So this morning, if you feel pressed down, if you feel burdened by the world, if you feel burdened in your own life, coming in a time of hardship, Palm Sunday is not just to put a veneer over that, to say, let's cover that up and pretend to be happy. Let's wave our palm branches and have a good time. Say that God keeps his promises in the midst of hardship. Whether that hardship is coming from the outside or even from the inside. Verse 18 says, the Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death, which suggests that 
our hardship doesn't just come from enemies, it comes from our own sin, our own failures. And yet in the midst of that hardship, Jesus comes and keeps us and reminds us of the steadfast love of the Lord. Because the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Steadfast love. Jesus comes into our hardship. How does he come into our hardship? He comes into hardship. He took on the hardship. So when we see the covenants with, with uh, God's people, especially with Moses, the people get the law with Moses. And he remembers this in Psalm 118 here at the beginning. Israel, the house of Aaron, right? the priests, this covenant with Moses, and they went out into the wilderness. And how did Israel do in the wilderness with keeping the law? They did not do well. I'll just tell you. They did not do well. They disobeyed God. They failed. They rebelled against him. But when Jesus came to earth, he went out into the wilderness. That's the first thing the Gospels tell us. He went out into the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted by Satan. And he succeeded. But he experienced the trials and temptations. So we have a king who sympathizes with our sufferings, who sympathizes with us in our hardship. And yet he took that all on. And he does it right and obediently. That's the king that we need. First, in our hardship, to sympathize with us in our suffering, to go to his death on the cross for our sins, that those could be forgiven, that he could be the penalty for that, pay the penalty for them. But then we go on, the greater theme of the psalm is victory. And so we have Jesus coming here to show that God keeps his promises in victory. In the psalm, we imagine the physical enemies. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I shall not die, but I shall live. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. O Lord, we pray, give us success. We're imagining you know, victory in battle. And for us today, that can, that can be hard to connect with because we don't fight as many. Uh, even some of us who do, do train for fighting, we don't fight religious battles, right? We don't fight for the Lord in the same way that the people of Israel fought holy wars against they're enemies. But the New Testament tells us that there is a war that we fight against Satan. We fight against Satan and the powers of darkness that war against us, that fill us with shame, with guilt, that bring about injustice and oppression in the world that we are to work against and push back against. How? Because we have a king. Because our King Jesus has come in victory. Because God keeps his promises that there will be victory. That's really the meaning, the meaning, there's a lot of meaning of the resurrection. So it's all, and say the meaning of the resurrection, but right here in, in victory, the resurrection is a time of victory. When Jesus came into Palm Sunday, he was coming as a conquering king. What was he conquering? He was conquering sin and death. That's why he went from the, the procession just a few days later to the cross where Jesus' victory took place. Even with his cry on the cross on Good Friday, it is finished. That was his cry of victory that he has won. And then the resurrection confirmed and sealed that. He came up out of the grave, said, it's done. I have defeated sin and death and Satan forever. Why? Because God keeps his promises. And so when Jesus came in victory to keep his promises, we now follow him. And we can have confidence that whatever God has called us to do, as God has called us to love others, to sacrifice for others, 
to work for justice, to give away of our time, to give away of our money, to give away of our hearts, to give and give and sacrifice and work and do all these things. That He's giving us victory because he keeps his promises. And that victory comes in Jesus. For his steadfast love endures forever. So God keeps his promises in hardship. God keeps his promises in victory. God keeps his promises ultimately here in worship. That's where this psalm ends up. The setting seems to be, you know, there's some hardship, there's some battle. But when we look at it, what are they doing here? They're coming into the temple. This is a psalm of worship. Verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Verse 27, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. For as we see God keeping his promises, the only response that we have is to worship him. That is why worship is fundamental to the heart of our community. Our Sunday worship gathering here is the heartbeat of our community life together. As much as we've talked over the past, uh, past week and a half, so we've been doing these Easter egg hunts in different neighborhoods. And I've talked with a number of people in doing these about how much I love doing things in neighborhoods. And I love neighborhood Easter egg hunts. And I love neighborhood Bible studies. And I love neighborhood community groups. I love neighborhood all kinds of things. And I dream of our church, of the resurrection community, in a sense, being dispersed among all these neighborhoods. Whereas a community, we bring light and life and healing and refreshment and connection in all the different places that God has put us. And yet in that, the heartbeat of our lives together must always remain our worship of God. Because without God, without worship, everything just becomes a social club. And we are not a social club. We're a resurrection community formed around our King whom we worship. But the amazing thing about this psalm and thinking about this being on their lips is they're worshiping Jesus. God himself come as King, saying, save us, Jesus, save us, God. We need you. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. For Jesus keeps the promises of worship, not by calling us to a set of rituals that must continue to be done day after day after day, as they imagined here. They they were literal sacrifices when they sang this psalm. They're talking about that. There were literal sacrifices when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. It's Passover time. They're about to sacrifice a whole bunch of lambs for the Passover. And Jesus comes and says, I am the festal sacrifice. I am the sacrifice that will be bound with, not with cords, but with nails. Not on the altar, but on the cross. And that is fundamentally how Jesus keeps the promise in worship. Because in worship, he comes to make our worship possible because he gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. So we no longer are bound by the sacrifices of animals, by the precision of rituals. But we now, as it says in John, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so when we gather together to worship him together, we worship our King who does not summon us from far off, but came near and does not call us to make our sacrifices, but made himself his sacrifice. So that as we give and serve and sacrifice, it is only in following in his footsteps. For he was the festal sacrifice upon the altar of the cross where he confirmed God's covenant promises 
for all time, for all of us. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you do save us, that Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday 2,000 some years ago. We thank you that he continues to reign as our king. Would you help us each to understand more and more what that means? What it means to recognize Jesus as our king in hardship, in victory, and in worship. That we may worship him in spirit and in truth today and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.